0: Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello, and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show, back for yet another episode, in spite of what I can only describe as intergalactic public demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for all this evening's mucking about. And with me in the studio this week, that's right, he's back, it's Tony Kerr. Hi Adam. How's it going this week, Tony? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. You had a week off last week? Yeah. Does it feel good to be back? Do you like what
1: I've done with the plane? Could have used another week, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, no, it's good, yeah. Yeah, good to see you, mate. There's crumbs everywhere. So I've just put my hand in a, a pile of crumbs.
0: <laughs> <Was> <laughs> you, I mean, you've not really tidied it up, have you? Well, what is it? It? Yeah, you went away for a week, so I, I thought, doesn't can, matter, just... no rules, no adults can do what I like. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I've been eating banana bread in here. Uh, yeah, I recorded a show on my own last week, didn't I? And uh, it's very much raised the question, do we need you?
1: It's raised that question, but it's also answered the question, can you do it on your own? The answer's no. So, I mean, yeah, the two questions probably will exist forever. Can
0: he do it on his own? No. In all seriousness, it's hard. It's difficult recording a podcast on your own. Was um, it, were there any laughs? Did you make yourself laugh? Not often. <laughs> not very often. I was, I was saying to you, it is quite weird because, like, uh, obviously, like, I'm completely on my own. In what is quite a small room, just making like borderline nonsensical (laughs) jokes about Benedict Cumberbatch. Just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? You look back on that
1: and think, (laughs) yeah, it's
0: like it's just it's a Tuesday night. I've had a long day at work, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) But it's also it's quite hard to get the uh, the level right, just strike that balance between. Trying not to sound bored, you know, and sounding engaged, but not going trying over to the sound top. sound like a lunatic. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. they're like, hey! There's
1: <laughs> <laughs> the camera slowly draw, kind of draws back, and you're, you're just there,
0: you know, probably wearing your Punjab shirt, I imagine. <laughs> going slowly mad. But anyway, how are you doing, Tone? Did you enjoy the cricket this week? We've had actual test cricket
1: yeah. happening. That is very enjoyable, a bit apart from day one. You know, I was all excited, cricket's back, the summer's here, kind of got in, uh, got in from work, sat down, watched, got about 20 minutes in, and I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to go to sleep here, because this, <laughs> this is wretched. Uh, what are you talking it,
0: about? It was explosive action. Was it, it, it about 1.8 and over? Yeah, that, I mean, it was desperate the first day. <laughs> well, I was, I was here, I was at home for the first day, uh, and most of the second day, but then I went away for the weekend, and I didn't see any of the action live on days three or four. I was at a wedding in Somerset. Well, I, I, felt, feel like, uh, I feel like I'm constantly talking about weddings that I've been to on uh, this show. I feel yeah. like a regular Hugh Grant. I felt pretty bad, though, because uh, you said you
1: didn't have any data. So, uh, you know, I supplied you with I furnished you with a couple of updates on one night. But then so much happened in the game, obviously, <laughs> in the quite short amount of time on Sunday. Uh, and I looked at my phone and I was just looking like I was sending a text to someone else. And I saw... The last text you sent me was any more updates. And that was not The night before, <laughs> That was about eighteen hours previously.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, when go? <laughs> well, I actually had no way of checking the score, and then uh, getting back from Somerset. Like the old days, isn't it? It was like the old days. Getting back from Somerset was an absolute nightmare because uh, there was fog in Guernsey. So, the, like, we came over on the plane and circled around for ages, couldn't land. Had to go to Jersey, which was a you don't you don't have to do that hellhole. Uh, and then came back on the ferry. But yeah, all the way back, I was frantically trying to find out what had happened in the cricket and you just weren't answering my text messages. No, I didn't want to ruin the surprise for you. <laughs> I should probably, at this point, assure listeners that I have now caught up with the highlights extensively before people switch off listening to a cricket podcast where the host hasn't actually watched the cricket. I have now caught up. You didn't ask me how the wedding was, Tone. No, I see that in the car, yeah. But obviously they didn't hear, did they? No, the listeners uh, did. That was the wedding. They just assumed you were very rude. Uh, yeah, it was good. They uh, they talk funny in Somerset. Have you noticed this? Uh, why, well, I don't know. I've got a real problem tone with assuming that people with regional accents are joking. And uh, so that's why like, I got a taxi from the airport to the, the hotel where the wedding was. And as I got dropped off, he was like, here we are then, sir. And I was like, oh, sure, then. Sure, is drive. It's really oh, awkward. That's, that's the
1: only reason you went to Somerset, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's to come back with the accent. Got to collect them all. Yeah, it's a nice accent is isn't it? That's a nice accent i had quite a lot of family over the weekend and there a lot of them are from the midlands so there's a strong midlands accent loving which is great it's very homely the accent the midlands accent the birmingham accent do you want to have a go at it no i have no intention of. oh go on. no no i'm not i don't do i'm not if the accent somewhere
0: <laughs> that's that's very much my job <laughs> been. yeah i'll leave that to you okay Uh, Well, anyway, what is coming up on the show today other than arguably insensitive and reductive impressions of regional accents? Uh, Well, we will be bringing you full analysis from Lords. As we say, there has been a test match there this week. We'll also take a quick trip around the world. There's been all sorts going on, uh, from spot-fixing allegations in the IPL to a dramatic Twitter outburst from David Warner. So, loads to get our teeth into. Uh, but before we get going, I should probably say at this point, if I sound distracted tonight, if I sound like I'm phoning it in, uh, it's probably because I've become dangerously obsessed with the new Daft Punk song "Get Lucky." Have you heard of this "Get Lucky"? heard of it.
1: Well, it was it was great on about the f- up until about the fifth listen, and now <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just sick of it now. I'm probably yeah. on about my two hundred and seventy fifth listen. No, well, stage. I mean, I had a shelf life of about I don't know three days probably. But no, I've, I've, had to, I've had to file it away now.
0: It's... <laughs> I can't, though. I literally cannot get it out of my head. Yeah. So, so this is what I mean. If I sound distracted, it's because whenever I'm not speaking, I'm just singing Get Lucky in my head. So right. when you're talking tonight, I, I will probably won't be listening to you. I'll just be going... <laughs> I do really like it, though. Oh, so it's a good song. I yeah, think they cracked song. the code and wrote the best song of all time. Wow. Like, the perfect song. I mean, it's certainly in terms of catchiness.
1: Do that's, you a strong, that's a strong assessment. No, it's a, good, it's a very good... It's, yeah, it's a good track, for sure. But it is... A bit of, don't, don't mention it again. Around right, these parts. Right, let's go on with Here this. We are.
0: England. Let's kick off the show with our big-name box office item, England, on which we talk about England. Now, England this week pulled off a dramatic victory over New Zealand in the first test of their series at Lords. Uh, now, it was an eventful test match. If I could just run you through the events, Tony. England, we'll winning like the too. toss and batting first, made a very slow start. At the end of day one, they were, what, 160-odd for four, were they? Something yeah. like that. It was, it was a very slow first day. They were eventually all out for 232, with Tim Southey taking four for 58. Uh, Johnny Bairstow top-scoring for England with 41. When New Zealand were 100 for two, it looked like they were poised to take control of the game. But a great fight back, led by James Anderson's 5 for 47 and Steve Finn's 4 for 63. Saw the tourists skittled for 207, so England had a lead of 25. They were building on that very nicely when they were 159 for 2, half-centuries for Jonathan Trott and Joe Root, who made 71. But then there was another England batting collapse. They were all out for 213, which set New Zealand a target of 239. It was anyone's game at that point, you thought? But England blew New Zealand away. They were all out for 68. Uh, Stuart Broad taking 7 for 44. James Anderson 2 for 23. They were the only two England bowlers to even get a bowl. And the home side wrapped up victory by 170 runs. Uh, So it was an extremely convincing margin of victory in the end. Uh, But perhaps a little bit deceptive, that margin, because it was incredibly close that game, I think, all the way up until that crazy session on Sunday when New Zealand just fell apart. Uh, they were actually 29 for six at one point, so arguably England let them off the hook a little bit by allowing them to get 68. So what happened in that innings then, time? Was this principally just another New Zealand batting meltdown? Uh, we've we've seen this happen quite a few times in the past 12 months, obviously uh, most strikingly in South Africa, but also in Sri Lanka and in the Caribbean. So was it another one of those, or would most batting units around the world have wilted in, in, in the face of that onslaught from Broad and Anderson on Sunday? Or a bit of both, perhaps. Yeah, I think.
1: That, well, I think most batting lineups would have been tested by it. Broad it up, which helped. And when he pitches up, he takes wickets. But he doesn't seem to like doing that. So, yeah, I think. I think New Zealand didn't didn't play perhaps as well as they they might have done. They'll be a bit disappointed because uh, it was it was a very competitive game at that point for sure. I I, I thought possibly I thought New Zealand would get there uh, when they came out to bat. I thought this is it. But you know, one or two wickets down, and it was it was already looking like game over.
0: Conditions were tough for batting weren't they? Conditions
1: were tough. The ball
0: was swinging around.
1: England made it look difficult there were some poor shots in and amongst the uh, middle to bottom order uh, of England's second innings so that was a bit disappointing they should have they should have put on a much bigger score.
0: Yeah and many of New Zealand's batsmen threw it away as well I mean poor shots from Peter Fulton, Kane Williamson, Tim Southey in that second innings but perhaps that's just you know, that is the pressure. That's what pressure does. It is, you know, it was very difficult conditions for batting. The bowlers bowling really well. And on both sides, you know, the pressure that that creates sometimes leads to uh, brain melts, doesn't it? Or you feel like you're being tied down, like you are you could get out at any time. So you, you play a rash shot because you're trying to break the shackles. And, and sometimes that can happen. But I, I thought England bowled incredibly well on Sunday. I mean, Jimmy Anderson was unplayable at times. And you might remember the way that he set up Dean Brownlee with that brutal in swinger, uh, which hit him on the pad but was just too high for LBW. And he followed that up with one that just nipped away a touch. And that's pretty much perfect bowling, isn't
1: it? Yeah, that was scary. And I mean, it, it, the ball was really doing a lot at that point. Uh, and there, there was a great Hawkeye. You know, Hawkeye illustration of that, Uh, and the 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 trajectories of the two balls almost just kind of like they kind of like a vortex, aren't they? They spiral around each other almost, and just go off in different directions, like a double
0: helix, yeah, exactly, like the structure of DNA.
1: Uh, I mean, it was the very DNA of bowling, you might you (laughs) might say. Uh,
0: Yeah, they they almost landed on the same place. Yeah, they Uh,
1: came from a slightly yeah slightly different release point, Uh, landed on the same point and went different directions. And yeah, like you say, it was it was perfect. I mean, it, would, it would have been
0: too good for any batsman in the world ever, probably. And and also in the first innings, James, uh, James Anderson bowled that outswinger that just knocked over Bruce Martin's off stump. And again, that ball would have been good enough for anybody. Um, so he was absolutely sensational throughout. Stuart Broad... Uh, was also terrific in the second innings. Now, we all know that he can be a very frustrating figure. He can sometimes look incredibly mediocre and then he'll produce a performance like this and you wonder why he can't do it all the time. For the last 12 months or so, he has been largely below par with a couple of exceptions. He, he got a five for- in that series against South Africa at home. He got another big innings haul in New Zealand. So we perhaps need to wait a little bit before we pass judgment in terms of, you know, maybe this is just another exception. But England will, of course, be hoping that this is another sign that he is coming back to form and that it might be something that does give him the confidence that he needs. He, yeah. is, a, he is a confidence bowler. I think one of his big problems in the last 12 months has been that he's just lost that confidence. He, he lost a bit of pace. He had the new ball taken away from him, and that's been a real issue, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is getting to the point that you know he's been around long enough that yeah, you know, perhaps is just one of those players, and I think England can. I think you know he's fine to sit within that bowling attack, you know, as long as there is a Jimmy Anderson who's really good and, and taking lots of wickets. You know, in, in a weaker setup, you know, probably Broad would still play, but the fact that he's not quite so relied upon here. I think that's good. And if he's going to pull out big performances every so often, that's still probably good enough. You think England
0: can sort of carry him for the most part because he'll do this occasionally?
1: I didn't want to use carry because it does seem like, you know, he's he's very rarely a complete passenger, is he? But you you don't get the feeling there's that much or that he's that far away from actually being very good. But again, it's been years now. We're talking like three or four years where he keeps doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you can't necessarily expect him to bowl like this all the time. You can't expect anyone to bowl like this all the time. Obviously, Jimmy Anderson has off days. He was quite poor in New Zealand. There are very, very few bowlers in history who can produce performances like the ones that they did on Sunday consistently. So it's not that. It's just that sometimes he is so frustrating because you feel like he could be a lot better than he is. Um, and I do think that a huge part of that is confidence. Now, this hopefully will be a big step forward in that regard. And it might enable him to, to run up once again, believing that he can do this kind of damage. And as you mentioned before, I mean, uh, clearly another key element of it is technical. When When Broad brings his length forward, he's so much more dangerous. Two years ago in the home series against Sri Lanka, he was bowling much too short and was actually on the cusp of being dropped from the side. Then all of a sudden he started bowling a much fuller length and was... Unplayable, And for the rest of that year at home against India, uh, away against Pakistan, he was a phenomenon. You know, so you just want him to pitch the ball up. And hopefully this, uh, this display on Sunday will have just reminded him of that fact.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've tried to remind him for years, though, as I'm sure of many others. And I I'm beginning to get the sense that Stuart Broad doesn't listen to this podcast. <sighs> you wouldn't think so. I mean, going on at him for bloody ages. But I mean, you wonder, though, whether he, he's just not able to, to
0: pitch it up. Well, I mean, clearly he is because he did it on Sunday. Yeah,
1: but clearly doesn't want to then because, I don't know, clearly he'd rather try and get wickets by bowling it short. I don't I don't quite
0: understand. Well, we've talked about this before. I mean, Steve Finn suffers from that as well because they're tall, because well, yeah. they're capable of getting the ball to come through um, at shoulder height and thud into Matt Pryor's gloves above his head. It's very tempting, I think, as a fast bowler to do that you know try and intimidate the batsman and i i can understand why they um are quite fond of doing that but perhaps that's where you know the coaching staff your andy flowers you know david sakers you know that's where they earn their corn it's just saying yes you can Was well, by saying <laughs> bowl fuller bowl fuller yeah. guys yeah pitch it up that's what they get the big bucks for
1: you know I don't know why we can't do it. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get a crack one day.
0: Speaking of Stephen Finn, you know, he was perhaps the England bowler that was uh, least impressive. Uh, he did take four wickets in that first innings, but they were sort of tail-end wickets, and certainly wasn't at his best. But presumably, he'll get another go at Headingley. Yeah, you'd
1: imagine so. I mean, there were there were good bowling performances. Yeah, I'm sure you're, you're. It's in your notes, isn't it? Tim Southey was very good. Uh, so yeah, Finn. Was a bit out of the picture, wasn't he? Really, in terms of the uh, the glory here, but they got ten wickets, didn't he? Ten wickets in in the match, and of course Anderson was hogging it a bit with his, you know, with the five round, obviously getting to three
0: hundred Test wickets. Uh, So yeah, but Finn will play, sure. What do you make of the uh, the Anderson three hundred wickets thing? Not in terms of an achievement, because obviously it's it is a fine achievement. Only the fourth England bowler to get there. Um, but I mean I, I saw Bob Willis after the game saying you know oh this is this is what I'll remember about this test is Jimmy Anderson getting to 300 wickets I mean stats like those they're great and all but really I not forget them exactly yeah. <laughs> I don't know I, it's different if someone actually breaks the world record but if you think about it Jimmy Anderson 300 wickets fantastic but he's 500 short of Murley at the moment it's nice it's, it's well done to him that he's, he's joined an elite band even remember of England the wicket bowlers
1: now. I can't even remember the wicket now that he took to get to 300. <laughs> well can't
0: it was uh, it. Uh, it was was it Fulton? I can't remember. <laughs> was, it, was it was it one of the New Zealand batsmen? <laughs> uh but yeah, no, I agree
1: with you. Uh, it, it is cool. It's obviously very cool and, and and memorable for him, I'm sure, but for everyone else, you know, I'll probably I'm going to remember like you say, the the, the few balls he bowled in the second innings in that spell and I'm going to remember a few other things probably. It did make me laugh. They were trying to remember what well, I think the, the Sky team commentary team were trying to remember recalling, I should say, the lowest scores at Lords. I think the lowest score up until that point uh, had been a game involving Bumble, which he couldn't remember <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't remember playing in. Which is genius. I mean I'm sure you have some sympathy with that. Oh yeah. Oh, ma- massive sympathy.
0: <laughs> I do just think though sometimes in-, in cricket, particularly in test matches, but all the time, on the scoreboard, every so often you'll see like a, a stat gets flashed up. I think I was at, an, an, at One Day International once where it flashed up, oh, that was Paul Collingwood's 2,500th ODI run. There's, like, polite applause. Yeah. But, like, really, who cares? Like If it's yeah. not, like, a world record or an England record, I, I don't know that it's that significant.
1: No, I don't really care. I, I really, truly don't care. And it's just, it's filler, isn't it? It's, you know, they've run out of gags. So it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, obviously, stats are very important. Well, cricket so is get, nothing but stats, yeah. in a way. But you get the same in football, It'd be like, oh, that was his 50th appearance for the club. Well, I don't really care. Great. Like, yeah, when he gets to 500, uh, equally, you know, if you play 100 tests, that's an occasion for sure. But
0: yeah, no, there are, there are there some are, things. Yeah, and as I say, it's not that I, I don't think it's an impressive achievement or worth remarking upon. I just thought that it was massively out you... of proportion that, you know, Bob Willis saying it's the one thing he'll remember from the test match. It's like, well, <laughs> is it? <laughs> I don't know. It was a bit strange. Anyway, yeah, on the whole, the England bowling was excellent, but the batting perhaps less so. Um, in that second innings, largely due to some brilliant bowling from Tim Salve, uh they lost their last eight wickets for 50-odd runs, uh, so that was a collapse very nearly as dramatic as New Zealand's an hour or so later. And yeah, if, if not for that partnership between Trott and Root, who put on 123, this game would presumably have taken quite a different course. A couple of decent innings for Root in that game where he get 40 and 71. Well, he's in good nick, isn't he? And he? He scored big against New Zealand in the warm-up. And he's been in the runs for Yorkshire and it, it's led to renewed calls for him to be moved to the top of the order in place of Nick Compton. <laughs> any thoughts on that, Tom? Uh,
1: it's quite funny on Twitter, isn't it? I mean, you could probably find any opinion you wanted <laughs> on Twitter to kind of back up what you're going to say. But, you know, there were... I think Compton had made about... 12 or 13 in the first innings and people were like well Compton's looking like established it you know he's really <laughs> he's really bedded in uh, and locked his place down but you know he's like, pff, only 31 runs in the test match you know not great obviously not a great return but no I'd, I'd leave Compton there at least for well the, it is uh, only
0: one test match leave, yeah it? exactly
1: I'd leave him there for the rest of the series probably
0: what well, the, the one game that's left in the series yeah. I do think it's a bit absurd though come on I mean Compton scored a century two test matches ago and he scored another one the test match before that
1: I think people. I think a lot of people. You kind of treat test series in isolation. You forget the previous series entirely. We shouldn't. Well, no, you shouldn't. But if, so if someone doesn't really hit the ground running in a test series, you kind of think, well, they haven't. You know, they haven't performed at all. <laughs> yeah. It kind of feels like a. You know, it feels like a whole.
0: Well, particularly if, story. There's, if there's a few months in between, it's like they've almost got to start again. It's certainly when they're relatively new to the team, like Compton. But you know, he's not had that many bad games actually for England because he was pretty. Decent in India and then fantastic in New Zealand. This was a poor game for him, but you know, you're allowed a poor game. And for some reason, a section of England fans just don't like him or not detest him, but just are very uninspired by him. He's and like, like Bapara. Yeah, he's not a Ravi Bapara figure, but any excuse to, to get rid of him, get root up there. But if you actually look at what he's done for England so far, that he, he doesn't deserve that. and They quite literally want to uproot him, don't they? They do want to uproot uh, if i see that on twitter <laughs> I'll be, i will edit you saying that out and i will tweet it later no i think i do think that moving compton aside now would be would be pretty upset it it, it would be a sort of the, the kind of selection decision that was made in the 90s um and i i don't know about you no, but are let's, days those are great days the 90s <laughs> i know you love the 90s but i don't want to bring back brit pop or saved by the bell helly hansen jackets forget it
1: they're all here man they're all still here they never went they never went
0: (laughs) i don't know everyone's bringing back the 50s though at this wedding everyone's everyone's got a 50s look yeah slick back hair it's the 1950s again tone there's every it's every yeah it's
1: everywhere isn't it how
0: do you you like that observational humor that i'm bringing to the show now what about that tone they're bringing back the 1950s have you noticed that book me a gig on the comedy store yeah that'll get you in you'll be on the yeah, anyway, yeah, I think, you know, it's worth remembering that uh, Root hasn't actually scored a test century yet. Compton's got two. It's not like Compton's keeping Root out of the team either. I, d- I don't see why there can't be room for both of them. It's about numbers for you, isn't it? And in that case, I'd much rather have Root in the middle order, I think, because he's, he's a much more versatile player. He can play at different tempos, and I think that's probably more necessary. Uh, I was watching,
1: uh, yeah, lots of family over the weekend watching, watching the cricket uh, with a couple of my. Uh, with my uncle and godfather uh but everyone who walked into the room was like god how old is he <laughs> about root. that was the first thing they, they said about him
0: he does look about 11 yeah also i don't know if you noticed but uh joe root's brother billy root uh was on the field for quite a large proportion of this billy test. root the commentators pointed this out every five minutes so it would it would just pan round to billy root who was on as a sub for ian bell and they go, oh that's actually billy root brother of joe <laughs> Every time the commentators change, they'd have to comment on it, and Bumble would be like, I think, I think that's actually Joe Root's brother down there, <laughs> Billy Root. I had so much screen time, he could probably go on Celebrity Big Brother next year. Uh,
1: I, I was going to say, I, I didn't catch it in your uh, your monologue, but did you pass on to the listeners my prediction that England would win this test?
0: Uh, well, I didn't, because you, <laughs> you didn't actually tell me. I texted you before Mate, I, I th- recorded that to say, so can said, you give it, me a prediction? I
1: said it would be a, a quite a low-scoring test, and that England would come through quite comfortably in the end. With Stuart
0: Broad taking <laughs> wickets. That's,
1: that's exactly what I predicted.
0: <laughs> well, I predicted a 1-0 series result, so it's looking okay for me at the moment, but well, I need a draw in head on
1: Yeah, there was a lot of people getting quite excited about the possibility, well, I guess excited, but getting uh angsty about the possibility of rain but that never really
0: arrived didn't materialize it it looked pretty threatening at times didn't it i've checked the forecast for leeds and certainly the first few days appear to be dry my experience of the weather in leeds is that that is not necessarily that likely it may well change the forecast what's going to happen then Tane, in this this second and final test can new zealand bounce back or will england make it two nil or as we say will the weather ruin everything
1: (laughs) well all three results possible all four results possible arguably well, I guess so. Yeah, the the final morning was kind of more what we expected to see in New Zealand and got horrifically wrong in the prediction. Uh, I think England will come through and win this one.
0: If Jimmy Anderson continues bowling the way he did at Lourdes, it's hard to conceive of New Zealand being able to withstand that. Um, but having said that, Tim Southey was also fantastic. Trent Bolt, I think, bowled really well, perhaps didn't get the rewards that he might have done. England's batting... Looks to be struggling against a New Zealand attack as well. So if New Zealand win the toss, bat first, and can post sort of you know even three hundred, England will be under quite a bit of pressure, I think. So it's by no means a foregone conclusion. But yeah, if if Anderson and Broad carry on where they left off, we didn't even get to see what Graham Swan could do really. I think he only bowled eight overs in the game, but they were eight pretty decent overs. You'd imagine that England are still going to be too strong. They just probably need a score from one of their their gun batsmen, a Cook or a Trot or a Bell or Root. Maybe even Billy Root if he can. Uh, if he can get <laughs> into the team. Uh Right. Well, yeah. Let's move on, shall we? Cool.
1: Cricket back. Ashes approaching. Fast.
0: She's up on to the no, side. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. All right, get I'm to up all to get lucky. Uh, <laughs> I'm just shaking my head, listeners. Shaking my head. Around the world now, on which we talk about things that have been happening around the world. Now this week, time we've had the welcome return of the spot fixing scandal, long overdue. Some would say a bit of spot fixing. This time, it's been in the IPL. Uh, I'll just read you this article from a website called Crick Info. Three IPL players arrested for fraud, comma cheating. Delhi police have said they have arrested Shri Santh, Ajit Chandila, and Ankit Chavan, all Rajasthan Royals bowlers, for the alleged fulfilling of promises made to alleged bookmakers during this year's IPL. The players were allegedly promised money ranging from thirty six thousand US dollars to one hundred nine thousand US dollars for each over. Eleven bookies have also been arrested. They have all been taken into police custody for 5 days. Niraj Kumar, the Commissioner of Delhi Police, provided a detailed explanation of its investigation, which began in early April, but said it had no evidence to suggest that any other player, administrator or team owner was involved. The police have identified the 3 matches where the alleged fix happened: against Pune Warriors on May the 5th, Kings 11 Punjab on May the 9th, and Mumbai Indians on May the 15th. Kumar said the deal was for the bowlers to concede a specified minimum number of runs in a pre-decided over. He explained in detail how the deals were struck, how the players allegedly indicated to the bookmakers that the deal was on and how they went on to concede those runs. He said the police have the recordings of those tapped phone conversations. Chandila was alleged to have conceded 14 predetermined runs in his second over against the Warriors on May the 5th, but he forgot to indicate to the alleged handlers he was going to do so. The police said he was pulled up after the game and was asked to return the advance of US dollars Shreesanth, the police said, was alleged to have made the appropriate signal which was to ask for a towel that he would tuck inside his trousers before bowling his second over against Kings XI on May the 9th. He was also alleged to have been asked to waste some time so that the bookies could accept bets. The police allege Shreesanth had promised to concede 14 runs in that over. Uh, Is that 14 or more or 14 on the nose? 14 or more, I think. He actually went for 13. The police said the bookies leave themselves a bit of a cushion in these deals to cover for external factors. Kumar said the bookies still made crores of rupees threw that over
1: <laughs> yeah really it's 1.2 crores i don't know i don't know how you
0: well i'm not re- i know there's crores listening. and lakhs, but i'm not quite sure how it translates but it does say that uh sh- it does Cash. give you a, a figure in us yeah. dollars shreesanth was apparently promised seventy-three thousand us dollars the word allegedly crops up quite a lot in that article tone and obviously at the moment it's all a bit murky that we haven't heard every side of the story. shri Sant's pleading innocence, isn't he? He's saying untrue. So there's an awful lot that I'm sure will come out in the wash. We're basically speculating here, so I don't want to go into too much detail about it, but what's your reaction to the story initially? Is it just a bit of harmless fun, or <laughs> is there something deeply worrying about it all? <sighs>
1: uh, a bit of both, in a way. <laughs> well, not really. Not, well, not it's not much, really not harmless there. fun, is it? Uh, I mean, well, first of all, you know, as a lifelong... Rajasthan fan, you know we, we're hurting. Shrissa I've never really warmed to Trisha that much. You know, I don't want to kind of make him a guilty man before he's actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it is quite funny because, like, it's not funny. That's the wrong word. But like, contrast how much everyone loved Mohammed Amir with how much people don't love Sri and
1: I, Well, it's Sri always has always rubbed people up the wrong way. Well, exactly, way. but yeah. you
0: do suspect that he might be treated a little bit differently by both the uh, legal system and cricket the public, public yeah. uh, than Mohammed Amir was treated.
1: Uh, I mean, reading one bit, that the uh, one of the bookies arrested was a former Rajasthan rules player, Amit Singh. Uh, and actually, at the end of the article on Crick Info, uh, it talks about him playing 23 IPL games between 2009 and 2012. And then it finishes with, he'd been in the news for having been reported twice for a suspect action during the 2009 IPL. He's guilty then, isn't he? There's <laughs> always, always, yeah, always been something wrong about this guy.
0: Yeah,
1: it's a gateway, isn't it? It's, yeah, the suspect action is a real giveaway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean... <sighs> The cricket doesn't need it. The IPL certainly doesn't need it. Yeah,
0: obviously it's 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 not a great story, is it? And uh, it is very troubling. I think my main feeling is the same feeling that I had when all the Pakistan spot-fixing stuff broke in 2010, which is that this is not about the players, not really. There's been a reaction along the lines of string em up, up uh, from a, a, a wide section of the cricket media and public, people calling for lifetime bans for these players as though that's going to solve the problem. I very much doubt that these specific players are at the root of what's going on here. And as such, banning them achieves nothing. I mean, yes, you've got to ban them. You can't do anything else. They've got to be punished for doing this. But to concentrate on the players is to miss the point, I think. Totally. The the Delhi police have arrested bookmakers and um, middlemen, so it does appear that in this case they are um, going after the people who are really responsible. But if you... Just look at the players in a way that perhaps the cricket media is is focusing on. Ban them, get rid of them. Other players are going to come along and they will be be just as susceptible if you don't transform the culture, transform the system that has led to this particular group of players getting into spot fixing in the first place. And then you've got exactly the same problem on your hands. Well,
1: precisely. I mean, to be in a position uh, to kind of get, as a player, to be in a position to get involved in this kind of thing requires you to be very good at the sport and years of years of work and you can't no one no kid gets into cricket or any other sport for that matter to eventually uh hope to fix (laughs) the you know fix a top level sport for financial gain it's it's ludicrous so yeah the, the only way to to stamp it out is to come down extraordinarily hard on the people who are yeah who are tempting them and kind of yeah wafting this cash in front of them Obviously, things like this. I mean, to me, it sounds like a really easy thing to do. So for you know, Srisanth should know better. Uh, Use of course, your words, Tane. Spell it out, Srisanth. Okay. Should know better, but everyone is susceptible to to temptation. So, like you say, it, you can't focus on the players, and you've just got to you you've got to make it not an option for uh for i mean they call them bookies but they're just they're crooks aren't they effectively
0: they're essentially not, yeah and not like- i mean everyone is uh potentially corruptible some more than others but if you can eradicate the possibility of these players being corrupted then it's not an issue and obviously that's very difficult but i i just think vilifying the players is pointless i mean it, it's going to happen and it's got to happen but it's well they should be it's dealt pointless. with
1: they should be dealt with uh you know in in an appropriate manner but by vilifying them, it's not going to yeah, it's not going to stop it happening in the
0: future. Exactly, it is. It's the facilitators, the bookmakers, the crooks, the people that are you know in the shadows. Like that is where the focus needs to be. I think. I actually woke up listening to the radio this morning, and they were talking about um poaching in Africa, poaching of elephants, and it's not an entirely analogous situation, but they were saying that you know the the focus uh, in the last few years has largely been on apprehending poachers but that has been shown to be completely ineffective because the arrest poachers other ones come along because there's a demand for ivory what you've got to do is tackle the demand for ivory is change the culture in places that that where ivory is is um, lucrative Um, no don't get me started on this mate This makes me angry (laughs) well yeah and you're right it makes me angry too but it's yeah it's completely the wrong approach to go after the poachers, I mean you've got to go after them, but that in itself is not enough. And I, I do think it's a similar thing here. It's the players is not the problem. Uh, the players is not the problem, <laughs> is the conclusion that I've come to. Um but as you say, it does raise a, a host of troubling questions for the IPL. Uh obviously, it's not an enormously transparent competition. There's obviously no international agency that's kind of doing the organising that is involved in the organising, and perhaps that's part of the problem here. And oh, no, they
1: a great one, if they need <laughs> one recommending. Which one were you thinking of? Well, ICC. Oh, they? are brilliant are not they great, aren't
0: they? Yeah, and obviously the ICC doesn't have a, a great track record of its own, but the fact that it is a, a pan-national um, organisation, I think, does help a bit. You'd think that the IPL will have a real go at sorting this out. You'd think it would be very much in their interest to do that because it it, it is taking a, a sledgehammer to... It's credibility, this story, and credibility is the thing that the IPL has been fighting so hard to attain over the last few years. So you would think that they will do everything they can to stamp it out, but it remains to be seen what what the outcome of this is. To move on to a related story and another very familiar 21st century problem, Uh, this is David Warner's Twitter outburst. Spot fixing and Twitter rants—arguably yeah. the defining things about cricket you in can the see last this few
1: years—going on for a few years as well.
0: Um, I'm going to read you this article from uh, the Daily Telegraph. David Warner could face action after Twitter attack on Australian journalists. David Warner could be fined by Cricket Australia after a Twitter attack on two of the country's leading cricket writers. Warner, who is playing in the Indian Premier League, attacked respected cricket reporter Robert Craddock following a piece which described the 2020 competition. As a quote, smouldering cesspit. Cricket Australia confirmed that General Manager Pat Howard had contacted Warner and his manager to seek an explanation. Cricket Australia is aware of comments made on David Warner's Twitter account overnight, read a statement. Cricket Australia is attempting to contact Warner and will continue to investigate the matter. Cricket Australia will make further comment once it has conducted a thorough investigation. The opener a place for the Delhi Daredevils in the IPL tournament, which was rocked this week by accusations of spot-fixing against three players, including Indian test-paceman Shreesanth. After posting a tweet with expletives aimed at Craddock, urging him to get a real job, the cricketer then appeared to take issue with Craddock's News Limited colleague, Malcolm Conn, in abusive tweets sparking a back-and-forth exchange. Here are some of the tweets. Warner to Craddock, initially... Wow, some smart journo who thinks he can bring down people. Well done, champ. <laughs> Craddock did not respond, but Malcolm Khan immediately defended his press box colleague. You lose 4-0 in India, don't make a run, and you want to be tickled on the tummy, win the Ashes and get back to me. Uh, David Warner to Malcolm Conn. Coming from you, champion, all you do is talk shit. What about encouraging Oz players rather than bagging them? They used the word bagging a lot in this article. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, it goes on. It yeah. goes on. And there's, there's a lot more um, expletives in uh, a dodgy Australian accent. Um, so there you go. What do you make of this, Tone? Have you heard of this Twitter? I've
1: heard of it. I've heard of David Warner as well. Uh, so I mean, this, I'm perfectly positioned, I think, to <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, I, thought, pff, I don't really have a problem with it, to be honest. What do you think?
0: Well, uh, yeah, I think in a way you don't want to criticize Warner for speaking his mind uh, because we're constantly uh, criticizing cricketers for being really boring. Having said that, it doesn't paint him in a great light, does it? It's it's quite unedifying.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, if David Warner or David Warner, you know, limited the the brand, the brand, you know, obviously it's not recommended to be drawn into spats of this nature. But then again, I don't know. I guess from from a cricket Australia perspective, uh, and from you know the, the Aussie team perspective, the only concern would be that you know it's distracting and it's gonna it's gonna take his mind off what they want him to do best. But I, I don't think any less of of him for
0: for doing that sort of thing. It makes you question what he's thinking because I mean, does he think that? twitter is not the public domain or does he think that it, it won't be a story if he's that angry if he if he launches that kind of attack on a, on a respected australian journalist Well, okay i'm not not
1: saying that david is a kid and that he's going to be looking up to the following people but you know the likes of donald trump alan sugar <laughs> piers morgan you know are constantly just having a go other people or each other or you know any any number of kind of other yeah you're quite right but if you go through the list of people you just named, idiot 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 i'm not saying they're great examples you know obviously they are lead kind of in a a sense leading figures in that i'm not gonna gonna give them too many compliments (laughs) but uh but you know in terms of setting an example you know maybe you know if you just view it as a bit of entertainment a bit of fun then Then why not?
0: There's no law which says that uh, cricketers have to um, behave uh, impeccably all the time. He's not broken any laws here, but it has possibly set fire to his captaincy ambitions. I I think he probably did have some captaincy ambitions. Um, I mean, yes, people forget things quite quickly, don't they? In, In a two or three years' time, if the Australian captaincy is up for grabs and David Warner's up for it, I doubt this will necessarily be the thing that prevents him from getting it. But it all contributes to your picture of the man, doesn't it? And yeah, I think a lot of people will have just come out of this thinking, well, Dave Warner's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And therefore, it probably wasn't the most sensible thing he's ever done. You haven't had a Twitter spat yet,
1: Taylor? No, I'm looking forward to my first. I might get more. Should we have a Twitter spat? <laughs> I was going to say, John, yeah. me and you. You're bloody rubbish, Mayford. Orchestrate a Twitter spat. Why don't you stop bagging me? <laughs> <laughs> just let me play cricket. All you ever do is talk s. <laughs> That's what I'd say to you. That'd be good. That'd be one way to raise the profile of the show, for <laughs> yeah. sure.
0: What a good way of raising the profile of the show would just be getting sending really abusive tweets to Dave Warner, Piers Morgan, Alan Sugar, Donald <laughs> Trump. One of them's going to bite.
1: <laughs> Actually, so in in work recently, we uh, a couple of a couple of us or well, three of us decided that you know one was going to have a throw a bit of a hissy fit in front of everyone else about work, and you know we, we'd obviously be in on it, so we'd we'd kind of join in, and it would be all a laugh. But then he started doing it and like banging his fist on the table and it was so convincing that I didn't actually know if he was joking or not anymore. <laughs> uh, so if, you, if I get a tweet in the middle of the night from you, at Tony Cabello, just saying like... <laughs> F*** off, <Kerr." laughs> like, don't, yeah, Don't be mean, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> don't be too convincing.
0: Much like Prince Harry's whirlwind tour of the USA, this episode of The World Cricket Show has been a baffling media circus that's left journalists swooning and the general public in a state of total frenzy. It's about time, therefore, that we brought it to an end. Quit while we're ahead, Tone. Well, exactly. Look ahead to next week. I read an article about Prince Harry's final day in the States, and he was at some polo match. Why, were you, why did you read that? <sighs> just gotta with days, yeah. got to do something with my days, haven't I? Got to do something with uh, my days. But yeah, I was just talking about this, this polo match that he was at. And quite deep in the article, it mentioned a cavalcade of stars that turned out to watch him play, uh, including Scary Spice and Owen Wilson. Right. It's just like, what do they talk about?
1: Scary Spice and Owen Wilson. Oh, It actually hurts me inside when I hear that kind of anecdote. <laughs> um, yeah. Hate it. Hate it. Of course,
0: uh, We're going to have a new royal soon, Tane. No, I'm actually I'm dreading the day. <laughs> when is the G-date? Absolutely dreading it. Kate Middleton, G-date. Google that. <laughs> Uh, when is the Duchess? When is the Duchess is going to pop? Is the question that Hollywood Life is posing? July thirteenth. That's not long time, is it? It's right in the middle of the ashes, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It'll be if it's on that day. It'll be three. It'll be on day four of the Trembridge test. That's something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they'll name it like Kevin or uh, Jimmy or Billy? <laughs> Billy Root. Root. Just name it Billy Root. <laughs> Billy Root Windsor.
1: That's a good name, though, to be fair.
0: (laughs) I've got some bad news for you, Tone. Right, okay. Uh, Leave it till the end. Sucker punch. The start to the season for Kobo Legends is going from bad to worse. Well, I've been out of action for a couple of weeks. You've missed the last couple of games, and it has really shown, uh, because we've we've lost both of them. I think we've lost three in a row now. This is the, the team that me and Tony turn out for Guernsey Evening League Division 2.
1: Well, I think you're just missing my kind of effervescence in the field. <laughs> uh, and my odd run as well. Crucial, often.
0: Yeah, the uh, the one run that you supplied so far this well, season Well, only in two games. So uh, did make a big difference, I think. In fact, both those games you missed, not only defeats, but very heavy defeats. The second one was by about 50 runs, which in a 16-over game is a hammering. It's a Danny Baker's right hammering. One of the opposition batsmen got... About ninety-two, ninety-three, almost a hundred. Again, what in sixteen it overs. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit uh difficult to be involved in that. Uh but I did actually get a bowl in that game tone, in that game <laughs> where someone got ninety-two. Uh managed to pick up three wickets. Starting to pitch it up, are you? I did start to pitch it up. Yeah. That, that, that's actually what happened. guess <laughs> uh, I got three wickets in my last uh two overs when I was pitching it up, but I didn't get off to the best start in my first over. Uh, yeah, I w- my length was <laughs> much too short. My first two balls were both hit for four. Yeah, just half trackers <laughs> that just sat up, Very honest of you, and begged to be hit, and they were <laughs> by that guy that was blazing away towards ninety two. It's that, it's that thing I've, t- I've mentioned this before, but like, yeah, like as I'm running up to bowl the first ball, everyone's like, "Here we go, Adam! Come on, at him now! Run up, bowl a half track, and get hit for four. And there's this like. Okay, and that's your loosener. Here we go. Let's go again. Run up, ball another one. Half tracker hit for four. Complete silence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. total like... silence. And I'm walking back to my mark as uh, you know, there's a fielder out in two fields over retrieving the ball, I'm just thinking <laughs> like, is this is this going to be every ball? Can you just I... look
1: around and people, it's just that thing where people take their hats off, their caps <laughs> off, and just run their head, just do that, kind of run their hands through their hair. Just despairing. I just thinking like, yeah, what well, you're thinking, is it gonna be every ball? Every fielder's thinking, is it gonna to have to be me who chases the next one? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: I told you about uh, one of the players on our team, the the one the one who's about eleven, <laughs> but it's really, really good when someone misfielded the other day. I was just looking and he took off his cap and just threw it to the ground <laughs> in disgust. I was like, Oh god, what must he make of my bowling? Yeah, honestly. Uh, but anyway, I did, I did pull it back a little bit. We've got a game on Thursday night, but you're not playing that either, are I'm you? I'm not playing that either, no. I've uh, been frozen out. Well,
1: self-imposed exile from the team. Self-imposed freezing out. But I'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Well, I'm away next week anyway, so...
0: Oh, God. Am I going to have to do another podcast for my own have to. next week?
1: Call me. Do it on the phone. a bit with me on the phone. Where are you going? All over Europe. Well, no, just Paris and Porto for a few days each. Are you going to check in with Moises Henriquez? I'm going I'm to track down the correct pronunciation of it. Yeah, I might even track down Moises himself. I don't think he lives in Portugal. Well, yeah, he might he might be back there for holidays.
0: <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah, so you're off next week. But I will have to do a podcast next week because the, the heading lead test is going to happen. It's, it's right up in our grill tone. As we've been talking about, I
1: might, well, I might send you a uh, yeah, send you something to read out. Maybe send
0: me a piece, record a yeah, piece, yeah. And I'll play it. I mean, that's not going to happen, is it? But you could send me something that I read out. Well, I could record a piece. I mean, again, that's not going to happen, but I was thinking, I could though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know. theoretically, yeah. you could, but it's not going to happen, is it? So, uh, I, I might be able to speak to you on the phone though. If I if I just phone you on your mobile, would that work?
1: Yeah, I'm going to Roland Garros to watch some tennis, so I could do some tennis
0: stuff if you want <laughs> yeah, be good. the World Tennis Show maybe relevant. yeah we could do a World Tennis Show aren't you hanging out with Heather Watson are you partying with Heather Watson I'm hoping to yeah, yeah. Oh, she doesn't know that yet <laughs> <laughs> well anyway we'll sort something out it would be good if I could get you on the, the blower at some point next week um, but in some form or another we will be back with a report from Headingley well not from Headingley but on Headingley uh, but in the meantime if you like the show great but, but until, you've liked it on, you. until you've liked it on Facebook, it's just not of much interest to it me. It means nothing until you've clicked so, like... No. So facebook.com slash cricket show is where you need to go for that. You can follow us on Twitter as well, twitter.com slash cricket show. Follow Tony on Twitter, at Tony Covert, T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. If you follow both of us, you'll be able to witness our Twitter spat this week. <laughs> Send us an email as well, show at gmail.com. If you've got a spare five minutes, we really appreciate all the reviews we get on iTunes. Uh, it really helps us out uh, in our quest to move up the rankings. And actually, if everyone could just take some time this week, just tell some people about the show. I'm sure you've got some friends who like cricket. Just say to them, listen to this podcast. It's not hard uh, and it would really help us out. Perhaps direct them, first of all, to our online website, www cricketshow.net you can listen to the show on there Uh, and you can also purchase your World Cricket Show t-shirt for just £15 which includes free shipping to anywhere in the world look
1: out for it look out yeah. I'll be wearing it across Europe this week so look out come and say hi if you see
0: me look out in the crowd at uh, Roland Garros yeah you might actually be on TV Tony if if you can get to one of Heather's games and are really loud (laughs) which you will be be. yeah uh, then actually wear a World Cricket Show t-shirt because you might end up on TV so, look out for that, listeners. Uh, but until then, stay in school, everybody. That's all from Bye. me. That's all from him. That's a catchphrase, isn't it? I could coin that. Don't
1: co- yeah, I'd rather It's good didn't.
0: night from me. And then you could say. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> that's, that's not quite then It's goodbye word. from me. I'm thinking of the two Ronnie's, mate. Oh, uh, no. Well, hang on. If you say it's good night from me. Okay, it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Then we could coin that. Yeah. Oh, I'll see you next time, mate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's the the sun.
1: we're all set we can talk cricket if you want Just pushing your
0: buttons over there pushing all your buttons we, we untalk cricket get all your buttons in order right uh oh i need to start my timer actually we haven't done one of these in here for a while have we a few weeks yeah nervous, yeah. nervous. <laughs> 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 it's weird isn't it because i really don't get nervous doing this like ever i guess it's i don't know you just don't really think about No, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't even think. I don't I really, I've never even... So, I'm so relaxed. I'm so relaxed about <laughs> Almost it. Almost too relaxed. <laughs> yeah, We're up uh, to get lucky. We're up oh, yeah, to get lucky. That <laughs>